0: You're listening to Workplace Perspective, an employment law podcast raising the bar at workplaces everywhere. Workplace Perspective is a regular podcast series for employers and employees focusing on education, training, and the law to help organizations of all sizes develop and maintain successful workplace relationships. The opinions expressed by guests on Workplace Perspective are their own and should not be considered legal advice. And now, here's your host, Teresa McQueen.
1: Thank you, James, and welcome everyone to Workplace Perspective, where we are striving to raise the bar at workplaces everywhere. Today, we're talking with Sarah Whitman. Sarah is an assistant professor of management at George Mason University's School of Business, and she recently authored an article that discusses the impact of the lingering identity, as she terms it, and its impact on job success when we transfer from one job to another. It's going to be a great show. Don't go away. We'll be right back.
0: Workplace Perspective has a new website. Visit us at www.workplaceperspective.com. Check out our new look, including our featured guests and archive sections. Share us with your friends and colleagues to help us continue to raise the bar at workplaces everywhere.
1: Welcome back to our listeners and welcome to Workplace Perspective, Sarah Whitman. Thank you, Teresa. It's great to be here. Well, I'm really excited to talk about this article that you wrote and this idea of the lingering identity. But before we get started, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. So I'm an assistant professor of management,
0: as you said, at George Mason University. I'm in the School of Business, and I study something called organizational behavior, which is the psychology, sociology of the organization. So how people work together, why they work together, and for how long they work together. And I generally explore how people transition, these these moments in time where they're moving within, across, and beyond organizational boundaries. I'm looking at the organizational impacts of the transitions and how we can help these coming and goings be more personally and organizationally successful.
1: All right. Well, let's get into it. Tell me about the lingering identity. I love this. I love this concept that you've come up with. You know, it's something that
0: emerged from my own experience transitioning, but before we start, maybe we want to define, so what's an identity, right? So if we're talking about identity, these are just the self-definitions that we have. So you might Define yourself as hardworking. You might define yourself, you know, in my case, as a woman, a mother, a professor. You might define yourself as a certain organizational member. So I am a George Mason University organizational member and lingering identities are what happens when we don't transition fully from one role to the next. So if you think of a transition as comprising four parts, there's a psychological, physical, behavioral and relational movement. Okay. And so if you're going to be changing from one job to the other, sometimes there's that psychological component that doesn't move. For example, you're experiencing an organizational merger. This is one where your job doesn't necessarily change, but your organizational affiliation does or should. And a lot of times people experience a stickiness in that identity. And they're actually organizational consultants, development consultants who come in and try to help shift people from one to the next. Because defining yourself by the previous, the past role, isn't necessarily functional in the present. And so what I'm looking at in the article are, you know, when that happens, how that happens, and what people can do to pull themselves forward into the present while not necessarily divorcing themselves from the past.
1: It's such an interesting concept. And I'll say the article that we're referring to is an article that Sarah wrote titled When Changing Jobs Changes Your Identity. And we'll have a link to that on the podcast page for Sarah's episode. It's just such an interesting concept because I think... If you stop to think about it, I think a lot of people have experienced this without being able to put a label on it, not just mergers. It just goes to so many aspects of the business world when you change from one job to another, from one company to another, that merger, or even where I think I was sharing with you and we had our our quick call before the show about the idea that people can identify so clearly with even management. Or founders of a company that when that founder is gone, there's that sense of pride and identity in being someone who was there when it was Walt Disney or it was Bill Harrah or whatever it might be. It just seems to finger out into all aspects of the workplace.
0: Absolutely. And it, it really talks or speaks to this element of discontinuity that we experience over the course of our careers. Very, very few people are in a single role in a single company for their entire working life. And so as you pass through these different stages, as either you change organizations or the organization changes around you, you're going to feel these, these sensations that, oh, I maybe don't quite fit with what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't, maybe they're, you know, I talk about in the article, the value meanings and enactment of an identity that might be something that you keep from the past you know especially with the great resignation where people are you know just turning through jobs the question is how do you keep this element of yourself your core self together and is it possible to move across time still feeling coherent and cohesive so you know if you're looking for a new job for example what new job is going to feel okay okay enough right it doesn't have to be perfect and so that's that's what it really gets to in terms of the element of how do we understand ourselves through time in a continuous way in the midst of discontinuity
1: it's a great concept again i just think it's it's really interesting and i want to talk a little bit about how it impacts people and you kind of mentioned it those three aspects those three characteristics that you think really are the core of being able to do that, to be able to transition successfully from one phase to the next. So let's kind of talk a little bit about that and, and how how you find that, that impacts, those three aspects impact our success when it comes to transitioning. For sure.
0: So if you think about value, let's begin with value. So value is how much do is this important to me? If, for example, status is something that's incredibly important to you and your previous role had a lot of status, transitioning into something that's lower status is going to be pretty rough, right? If you're talking about meanings, those are the things that, those are those little definitions that we have. And so if I am a project manager, well, what does it mean to be a project manager really at its root? Right? Is it the coordination of people? Is it the relationship with clients? All of those different things. If you're transitioning into a new role, those meanings might be important to keep. You might want to find a role that still has some of those elements, even if it doesn't have the same title. And in terms of enactments, this is the what and with whom we enact our identities. We, we live our identities. When we were talking before, I mentioned a a study on shipbuilders that I that I've done. And you know, this is still unpublished data, but one of the things that surprised me so much in that situation was I was studying people who were within a specific organization. And so I asked them, well, what does it mean to be a member of this organization? And there were some of them who said, well, I'm not. I've been here for 20 years, but I'm actually a member of this previous organization that's now defunct and the fact that they've carried that with them because in part a lot of their colleagues transitioned as well with what they were doing as being a carpenter as being a you know a welder had not changed and so it was very easy to change those enactments into the new role and those are the things that individual workers need to be conscious of you know finding ways to honor what's important to you also employers need to be cognizant of these processes and how they play out, understanding how your workers do identify what's important to them, and if there are rifts in how they need to be enacting a role, or if it's okay for them to still think of themselves as something that they were in the past.
1: Yeah, it's all so tied together. I remember when I was working at a, um, I had a job at a college. I worked at a casino and I had a bunch of different jobs than the casino. But I remember that I worked at Harrah's, uh, in Reno, Nevada. And Bill Harrah was such a personality. There were these employees who were very much <laughs> identified with being part and Bill Harrah had been gone for a long time, but, you know, by the time I got to work there. But they so identified that you couldn't talk to a long-term employee with, for five minutes without them telling you, well, when Bill was here, or it was, <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, and they wanted to let you know that, you know, these ideas that the status that comes with that, the perks that used to come with that, they used to do this thing every, on your anniversary or your birthday, one or the other, they'd give you a box of Godiva chocolates. Well they had a new manager come in and new management come in and they t- stopped doing that. You would have thought they cut pay. <laughs> People were like, "It's a violation of that enactment of that
0: that relationship." <laughs> it was so it was like so traitorous it was just awful it doesn't you know it often are often these artifacts it doesn't matter what the cost is it's it's the meanings that are associated with them right and i mean in in academia we have this equivalent and you know so you know there are status levels of different universities you have the ivy league you have the research one etc and where you do your phd doesn't necessarily translate into where you'll end up it's a job market similar to other job markets. And so you do see people who either have been at a more prestigious university, you know, who did their PhD there, who worked there. And what they often do is they carry a coffee cup along with them, which has the university logo on it. And so you know that this is a person who came from... Whatever university it was, right? Even though they still they aren't there anymore. But you know, we do have these trappings of what does it mean and how I have to retain this this thought of myself. But I will say, you know, lingering identities. As much as you know, sometimes I say, well, you know, how do you how do you avoid being stuck in the past with them? How do you transition these these value meanings and enactments into your new role to somehow make it meaningful? There is also this aspect of. What happens when you don't have a work role? And so when you think about people who are in unemployment, there's actually research, unfortunately not done by me, but there's research that says that if people can still think of themselves as a worker when they're unemployed, then that actually provides a motivating factor to keep them going so that they actually treat the unemployment period as a workplace. And their KPIs, you know, key performance indicators as how many resumes did I send out? How many interviews did I get? You know, all of these things that keep them going. Of course, your social system, the people who are around you who are telling you, yes, yes, you're still that. You're still competent. You can still do this are super important as well. That helps to buttress. This lingering identity that says, no, 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 I can still get in. And so whether it's, you know, people who are, who are completely unemployed or also, you know, particularly women who take breaks from work, having those, those links to the past that you can pull forward into the present can almost help you narrate a self into the future that is back into the workforce.
1: I love that. All right. Hang on to that thought. We're going to take a quick break. And uh, when we come back, we'll hear more from Sarah about the impacts of the lingering identity. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Take a
0: step toward bringing our country and community together. Start a meaningful conversation at lovehasnolabels.com slash onesmallstep. A message from StoryCorps, Love Has No Labels in the Ad Council.
1: If you enjoyed today's show, do this. Share us. Like us. Give us a review on your favorite podcast app. It means a lot to us, and it ensures more people tune in and raise the bar at workplaces everywhere. Welcome back, everyone. We are talking with author, researcher, assistant professor extraordinaire Sarah Whitman (laughs) about the concept of a lingering identity and its impact on job success. Just before we took a break, you were mentioning the uh, how that lingering identity can help someone get through periods of unemployment or periods of taking a break. It's just amazing. But one of the biggest things I think when you talk about the values, the meanings and the enactments, it strikes me that a really big factor and part of that is self-awareness and being realistic in your assessment of who you are and what you do, not only of yourself, but the opportunities that you're presented with, um that you're evaluating. So when we talk about transitioning, can you talk a little bit about that? Is that kind of does that play a bit of a role when it comes to that? Because you mentioned, you know, that taking the job what struck me, i I took a job one time that I was overqualified for. <laughs> yeah. and, I, and I was not successful in the job. I thought I could be. <laughs> But there was so much wrapped up in that. I had come from a big organization that was kind of prestigious in the field that I was in. And I went to a smaller organization, less money, fewer resources. I found myself frustrated on those levels um, because it, the money wasn't the same. The job wasn't being done the same. You didn't have the same resources. And then there was the prestige issue, which was my yeah. total ego wrapped up in the fact <laughs> that I was not tell anybody where I was working. I mean, all of these things get wrapped up into it. And I think had I been a little more self-aware at the time, that I would have been honest with myself, knowing that that was going to happen. But I think people do that all the time. Like being underqualified seems to me to come to mind just to get my foot in the door and they're going to recognize me.
0: Absolutely. But then you don't succeed.
1: You know, that's the big challenge, right? Because...
0: What really we should do with these lingering identities, if we understand that they exist and we kind of do a self-search, is we can use them as a lens, And we can say we're not going to apply for every single job. Maybe we're not going to actually take every single job that's offered to us. And this shifts the conversation a little bit more toward the worker right? And I do understand that there are situations where you need to put food on the table and you need to get a job. That's reality. But these lingering identities, one, if you have opportunities and you are looking, you know, they can act as a lens where you're saying, okay, this is the set of possibilities that are actually not going to violate my sense of self. And so I could possibly not feel wrong if I'm working there. It's in those cases, you would say, well, of course I feel wrong-ish. It's not going to be perfect. But as long as I'm doing my job and I'm fulfilling the expectations of me, maybe I am waiting for a different opportunity, right? In other situations where you have to take a job, this is the same in my brain, at least, as situations of unemployment or discontinuity. Right? Those are the situations where you need your lingering identity to hold you through so that you're still feeling competent and successful enough to jump into an opportunity that fits you better once you have the opportunity to do so. What I'm not advocating is rotating and turning through organizations. I'm actually advocating the opposite. I'm advocating finding and making a fit for yourself rather than expecting something just to magically happen.
1: I think I identify with this so much because I've changed (laughs) careers so many times Mm -hmm. because I'm, I'm even thinking about, you know, in dance, the difference between taking a master class and being at a university level in dance and then going to take a class somewhere in a small Mm -hmm. studio, don't have that either career or professional view and everything is very small. The movement is very small. The space is very small as compared to when you're professional or university level. Everything is much larger. You're taught Mm -hmm. to be large. You're taught to be big. But the biggest fear is when you leave that professional life or you leave that um, university atmosphere and your only way to keep up your skills is to go to those places where it's smaller. You really have to, you really have to keep that set, that sense of, okay, I'm this. Yes, yes, I'm this, but I am here now for a purpose and a time.
0: Right. And it's not that I'm not this other thing. And there is a little bit of psychological jiggling that you have to do in that space, right? Of holding yourself together and saying, no, I'm bigger. No, I can do this. I am not this, but doing this is going to help me to get back on track. Yeah. And I think that's, that's really the, the core of it and the the challenge really of this, you know, these careers that aren't necessarily always upward in trajectory. sometimes they're zigzags. Sometimes you know you're off the career ladder altogether. and you say, well, what am I now? And right. there's there's lingering identities, I think give us this hope that there's a thread and that it can be woven into the future.
1: Absolutely. Going back to the value, the meanings and the enactments, when you're looking, when you're looking at those aspects and you're trying to, so let's say you're looking at transitioning or you're evaluating an opportunity, think that you need to have all three of those fulfilled or is having one or two of those values or those, those characteristics fulfilled enough to help you evaluate correctly that job opportunity you might be considering?
0: That's a great question. This has to do partially with that introspection we were talking about before. Not all of these are going to be absolutely important in the same measure. And so for some people, you know, that status is going to be the most important thing. For other people, you know, if you think about the dance example that you gave, maybe it's the the meanings of... What does it mean to be a dancer in terms of self expression and movement and these sorts of things? And that, even if it's not the same status of organization, you can, you can make it work. Or maybe it's not necessarily the meanings or the value, but it's the with whom and. I need to be surrounded by people who really believe in me and people who are okay that I have a different past. And maybe that I'm going to be surrounded by even colleagues that I've moved with, even if I'm doing a completely different job. right? Mm -hmm. And so each of these things, it's it's a matter of saying, well, what matters to me? And if I have, oh my goodness, if you have all three of them, It's almost as if you have the same job and you aren't actually. (laughs) But if you can find at least, you know, pare it down and say, what is the absolute fundamental? What am I willing to give up or able to give up if I have this? Then that's going to really give you that core of what can I go after and still be successful?
1: Right. And you're not advocating that people need to change completely in order to transition no <laughs> more about being aware of what the situation is what it's, you bring to it what it can offer you and how much of that you can deal with and
0: you know it's it's that how much of it can you deal with how much change can you handle that's really fundamental because organizations want workers who are going to be able to work who are going to be able to be successful they're not hiring you for failure and right. so it's it's a matter of matching well is this too big of a stretch for me? Do I need to find something that's a smaller stretch? And at different times in your life, this might be different. And so when you're, for example, younger, you might be able to really make a huge leap because your self-concept isn't as established. But as you're older, maybe it's a little bit more complicated.
1: Interesting. It's being self-aware. So much yeah. about our lives is benefited by just having that just that modicum of self-awareness, just that little bit. Well, sir, so as we wrap up today's show, can you give us your thoughts for the future, your words of wisdom, cautionary tales? <laughs> well, I think
0: I think maybe I'd like to provide hope for the future.
1: Ah, oh, we love hope for the future.
0: You know, I, I do think that this is uh, lingering identities help us to weave a coherent narrative through time. And they help us to see in the future what we may not see in the present. And so particularly for people who are feeling uncertain, knowing who you are and who you have been, I think really empowers workers to be able to put their best foot forward, to be able to you know, apply to organizations and be confident in what they're wanting and capable of doing.
1: Wonderful words. Great. I love it. Thank you so much, Sarah. That's our show for today. I want to thank you so much for joining us and for sharing your thoughts and your expertise with our listeners. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. You can learn more about Sarah and her research by visiting www.business.gmu.edu slash profiles slash S. Whitman. That's businessgmu.edu slash profiles slash dot com you can also connect with sarah via our website at workplaceperspective.com i want to also thank our listeners my angels james and the Nave at night and workplace perspectives team extraordinaire our engineer and producer paul roberts our associate producer melissa DeLacy, with music provided by the very talented steven Versaloni. i want to thank you all for joining us on workplace perspective and until next time keep raising the bar